the Magi left for their country by another way. I think I might be an epiphany Christian, if, if that's a thing. I might be an epiphany Christian. I think I am a little bit like those Magi, those wise people from what's now Iran, who leave everything, drop everything, travel far with little to guide them, putting faith in a dream or two. Like those Magi, I'm looking for whatever glimmer of hope I can latch onto, looking for a possibility of good news in the middle of a lot of bad news. Like those Magi, I want to put faith in a dream or two. Like those Magi, I know I sometimes need to just drop everything and just go. Like those Magi, I don't always know where I'm going. Though I have trouble stopping to ask directions. Like those Magi, I believe that sometimes borders are made to be crossed. Like those Magi, I like to give presents. Though like them, the gifts are not always what's needed or what's wanted or necessarily appropriate. Like those Magi, I do not always do well with authority. And sometimes I find it difficult to trust shifty kings or slick bishops or blustering, blundering presidents. And like those magi, I am open to sometimes needing to shift gears, need to rearrange some travel plans, need to let go of my precious, tightly held opinions and determine that it's time to go another way. So maybe I'm an epiphany Christian. And so I'd like you to think about whether maybe you might be one too. It's been a week. It's been a week. My head is still swirling and swimming in post-holiday recovery. And into that muddle has come, unasked for, a lot of confusing, disturbing news. You could recite the litany as easily as I. Australia is on fire. War is seemingly on the horizon. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. And our United Methodist denomination looks like it's on the brink of schism, splitting apart. I promise not to try to make sense of all of that confusing, disturbing news this morning, but I can't ignore it either. I can't ignore it, not as a, an epiphany Christian. Let me briefly say something, some little something about the denomination situation. Some of you saw the front page article in yesterday's Times with a misleading headline, Methodists agree to split on same-sex marriage. If you read the article, it doesn't have anything really to say about that. Methodists didn't agree on anything, as you may know, not yet. There's a proposal by an ad hoc group of church leaders, self-appointed, to allow the church to split along some traditionalist versus progressive lines, allowing a group affiliated with the Wesleyan Covenant Association to form their own conservative denomination but nothing's happened, and nothing will happen till General Conference meets this coming May in Milwaukee, and maybe not then either. 
Second, the split is triggered not by same-sex marriage or the ordination of LGBTQ plus clergy, as the article indicates, but it's triggered by divisions over theology and biblical interpretation fueled by decades of prejudice and oppression. That's what gives rise to this situation. Lee and I have sent out links to a few things, including the proposal itself, and I've given you in your bulletin copies of the United Methodist News Service article, which is more detailed and has more to say and possibly somewhat more accurate than what was in the Times or the Washington Post or CNN. Last, most important, nothing that has happened or will possibly happen or could happen will shift our congregation's long-standing commitment to justice, equity, and full inclusion for all of God's precious people, each of us of sacred worth. Now, because I am a would-be epiphany Christian, I am looking for a glimmer of hope in that proposal. After last year's general conference, I wasn't sure it would be the traditionalists who would be the ones to leave the denomination, after all. I have had moments of pride throughout the years about being part of a church that claims members as diverse as Hillary Clinton and George Bush, Elizabeth Warren and Jeff Sessions, and so on. Part of me loves the idea of that big tent denomination filled with people I disagree with and people I don't really even understand. But there is this unredeemed part of me that is so eager to say, don't let the door hit you on your way out. The Methodist movement has been at this place before, as you may know. It's familiar territory if you look through Methodist history. We've split over women's ordination, racism, governance issues, and most prominently over slavery in the 1840s, prefiguring the U.S. Civil War. A quick epiphany glimpse at that history might be helpful. The Methodist Church in the U.S., from the moment it was organized, prohibited slavery. You could not hold slaves and become a Methodist. You couldn't be Methodist and own slaves. You couldn't claim to be a follower of John Wesley, himself a rebellious Epiphany Christian who hated slavery. So the Methodist movement in those early days numbered Epiphany Christians like Frederick Douglass and Denmark Vesey and Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth, as well as a large number of white abolitionists in the North and in the South. But time went on, compromises were made, more compromises were made. Thank God the Methodist Church always had a few Epiphany Christians in it of all races who constantly looked for a glimmer of hope crossed all kinds of borders, did what they could to trouble the Herods of their day, and had a healthy disrespect for authority. One I like is Reverend Leroy Sunderland, 
an unsung hero, who in the 1840s faced a church trial for causing trouble with his abolitionist activity. At his trial, he loudly ignored the presiding bishop's instructions consistently, causing Bishop Sewell to call him the, quote, first person that ever dared speak to me in that manner. <laughs> Not missing a beat, Reverend Sunderland told the bishop, I thank God that you have lived long enough to find one person who will tell you to your face what many others say of you behind your back. <laughs> a few years later, the church split over slavery largely on regional lines, not entirely. It took 90 years and an accommodation to racism to bring it back together. But maybe it never really got back together since our current schism, if it happens, is likely to occur partly along those similar regional lines. Now I wish that all we had to worry about this Epiphany Sunday was whether and how the United Methodist Church is going to disunite. But you and I know that's not true. This afternoon some of us will travel down to Foley Square and then cross the Brooklyn Bridge in solidarity with our Jewish friends and neighbors who have faced recent horrifying incidents that I think would be unthinkable were it not for our current climate of distrust and hate and fear and division and racism and white supremacy and religious bigotry of all sorts. Not only that, we are right now nervously awaiting the next move in what seems to be an inching closer to yet another war in the Middle East fueled by all sorts of Herods on both sides who will likely not be the ones to pay the price of any outbreak of violence. No doubt threatening once again, as in Herod's time, a slaughter of the innocents. At times like these, I hear the words of our late Reverend Frances Helen Guest in my ears. She knew something about war from her personal experience. She always said, children, are always the first casualties of war. An epiphany faith, though. An epiphany faith doesn't accept as inevitable things as they are. An epiphany faith is a faith of courageous resistance. An epiphany faith is always looking for another way, always looking for a different road. An epiphany faith is a faith that can get us through times of struggle, and pierce through the deep clouds of gloom that are presently surrounding us. An epiphany faith is a faith that will tell us when we're at risk of going the wrong way and will send us home by a different road. Hoping to have an epiphany faith, I need to bathe in God's holy grace. Sometimes we're wrong when we think we're right, but I pray to God that we'll see the light. We'll see the light, we'll see the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now we'll be happy, so sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, we'll see the light. Questioning power, challenging wrong. Whenever some modern Herod comes along, ready to struggle, ready to fight. 
Pray that we might come see the light. We'll see the light, we'll see the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now we'll be, now we'll be happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, we'll see the light. Just like those magi, we wander along. Hoping to find the place we belong. Looking to do the next thing that is right. When we do that, then we'll see the light. We'll see the light. We'll see the light. Now we'll be happy, no sorrow in sight. Praise the Lord, we'll see the light.